There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in America, so I'm reviving my conversation with actor David Oyelowo, who played MLK in the 2014 film Selma. I spoke with Oyelowo when he came to D.C. to promote his 2015 thriller Captive, before pivoting to his memories of working with Ava DuVernay on Selma. I'm here with the one and only David Oyelowo. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now we're here to talk about his new movie, Captive, which is based on the incredible true life story. And I think, I, I remember when this happened in the news, I think it was exactly 10 years ago. I think it was 05, right? Um, do you remember hearing about it when it happened, or when did you actually hear about the actual true life story? Well, I still lived in the UK at the time. It was 10 years ago. It was actually March 11th of 2005, this, this particular day in which these events took place. Um, I, I was still in the UK then. My wife and I didn't move here till 2005. 2007, but when I heard about about the story, I was just so struck by the miraculous nature of it, really. I mean, Brian Nichols um, killed four people after breaking out of the courthouse jail on that day. He killed the judge uh, who was he was about to face uh, on trial, which he was for rape. Uh, the court reporter, he also killed uh, a sheriff's deputy and then a customs officer in Buckhead, you know, miles away from the courthouse, before then taking Ashley Smith hostage a 45-minute drive away in Duluth, Georgia. And that, that to me, is, is part of the miracle of this story, the fact that this killer, this murderer, found himself in a meth addict's apartment and then ended up not killing her. Uh, she... The reason being, in my opinion, she showed him a degree of compassion. She had watched him on this murderous spree through the day um, and I think would be well within her rights to just be terrified, which she was. Um, but I don't know, they just had this point of connection. She read him Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. She made pancakes for him and somehow diffused this bomb of a human being that he was on that day. And that, to me, is kind of the, the miraculous side of the story. Definitely. And it was almost, and we heard the president talk about it with, when he went down to Charleston for the eulogy, and he talked about that amazing grace of, of those families were able to say, I forgive you, death mm-hmm. to this killer. It's very similar. Um, what what is it about those kind of stories that make us, I guess, appeal to our better angels? You know, where instead of reacting in in rage or fear, or anger, why is a story like this important to appeal to that better side of us, that humble, graceful side? Well, I think the best of us is when we 
uh, realize and embrace the fact that light shines brightest in the darkness. And this was a dark day. I mean, there are people whose lives are forever broken by what Brian Nichols did that day. There's no way anything good should come out of it. There's no way anything good should come out of Charleston. But the, the, the level of forgiveness that those people were able to exhibit, so admirable, uh, uh, mind-blowing, really. Uh, the fact that um, Brian and Ashley had this exchange on that day that led to her never touching meth again, regaining custody of her daughter, now embracing her second chance in a way whereby she's helped thousands of people with the same addiction she had to uh, recover from that addiction. Um, and here we are, having made a movie that hopefully also points to the grace that was exhibited on that day. Um, you know, I think it's because it points to the best of us, and uh, often we relegate ourselves to the scrap heap. Mm -hmm. Ashley Smith had done that day. She actually said to me that she felt Brian Nichols breaking into her apartment that day when he first did was God's way of saying, you've messed up so much that you deserve death. Right. And actually it was the opposite that took place that day. She, she gained life. And I think we all have done things that we would love redemption from and, and, and a second chance. And so that's why I hope this film speaks to everyone. How did you go about, as an actor, sculpting your transformation from, you know, breaking in, having just murdered several people, to, mm -hmm. to finding this new clarity at the end? How do you, as an actor, act that out? Because you're, act, you're acting in probably out of order, obviously, like most movies. So how do you maintain that arc as an actor? Well, you know, one of the things we really wanted to do is, is play with how our own prejudice as, as people is, is tweaked when we watch a, a new story. So one of the conscious things we did is to have Brian not say anything until he breaks into the apartment so that you can project all your prejudice and all your understandable judgment on him um, before you then to hear that this is a human being. This is someone who has a admittedly very uh, warped rationale for what he did, but there is still a beating heart in there. Um, and so, you know, the idea was to very much have him be the monster that he was that day and then watch how Ashley Smith's humanity thawed him, how that brought out his humanity, helped him turn a corner that helped her turn a corner. So you're right, we did shoot out of sequence, but that's something that has to be built into the script in order for it to have the maximum effect and impact, hopefully anyway, on the audience. Absolutely. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. I remember in um, your more recent role in Selma, um, the thing that really struck me with that one was how you were able to take such a, again, another true life story, how you were able to take someone so 
well-documented, so famous, so many books have been written about him, documentaries, movies, but, and able to just to, to find your own human side of him, those calls with, with you and Coretta, uh, and moments when, when some of your, you know, your, your followers, protesters were, were killed, you getting emotional, just how did you go about humanizing such a, such a famous figure like that? And part two, is it weird that uh, there will be a whole generation that will equate you to King, someone you probably idolized? Well, you, you know, to answer that question first, I mean, that, that's a huge honor. I mean, you know, if there's anyone you want to be in the same sentence with, it would be someone like Dr. King. So that's something I value and treasure immensely. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the job of the actor, the job of a movie being made out by a, a real person is to bring dimension and revelation to them. Because if they are someone who has any kind of notoriety, people feel like they know who they are, then what you don't want to do is, is basically have a film that gives you all the information that a documentary could. Right. What you want to have is go behind the veil, go into the human side of the person, because ultimately I believe we go to movies to, to see ourselves. So, you know, in, in my portrayal of Dr. King, what I wanted is for you to see yourself in Dr. King, for you to see your own frailties, your own, what would you do under these circumstances? How will you handle these decisions he had to make? And I think in that humanizing of someone like Dr. King, he actually becomes greater because he's like you and I, and yet he did what he did anyway. Um, you know, conversely, obviously playing an antithetical character to Dr. King like Brian Nichols is, you know, how do you relate or not relate to someone who killed four people in a day? Well, you know, the point of, of connection with Brian Nichols is he has a son who he now feels like he's no longer going to be able to have contact with. We all know what it feels like to to want to be close to our families. He had, a, again, a very warped sense of justice and did terrible things in order to get back to his son, but that was what motivated him on that day. I think that audiences are going to gravitate more to Ashley Smith, who has messed up but has the possibility of a second chance has the possibility of getting back to her daughter and is someone who did go on to to embrace her second chance and is now doing what I think we all want to do in life which is to make the best of what we have right and this movie is sort of in the in the aftermath of what must have been a, a wild you know award season run you know at the Globes and I personally think you were robbed I thought you gave the performance of the year last year personally but um, do you not even pay attention to that stuff? Does part of it get to you? Um, and and how do you just keep on plugging along? Well, you know, captive is how you keep on plugging along. <laughs> you know, uh, um, Paramount Pictures distributed Selma. Uh, there's a very real world in which they wouldn't be the distributors on captive if Selma hadn't had the success it had. And at the end of the day, the primary function of any awards or accolades is to bring attention to films right. that maybe otherwise wouldn't have that attention. Right. And to for the actor, it's to build a notoriety that means you keep on getting to do hopefully good work. And that has been afforded me by uh, Selma. That has been afforded me by all the attention that the film got. And so here we are, keeping it moving. Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to wrap up. So let's, can we end it by, let me do like a little rapid fire. I want to talk really quick about all the great directors you've worked with, especially in recent years. So I'll, I'll throw out a name. Give me just a quick thought on, on what it's like to work with them or their style. Okay. okay all right. Um, Spielberg and Lincoln. Genius. One word <laughs> answer. There you go. Um, Christopher Nolan, Interstellar. Uh, the, the greatest cinematic mind. JC in The Most Violent Year. Unbelievable storyteller. Can't pin him down. 
Lee Daniels, the butler. Uh, a complete renegade, singular voice in cinema. I can't wait to work with him again. Ava DuVernay, Selma. My sister, my friend, my favorite director of all time. Ooh, that's big, that's big praise right there. Um, okay, and how about now on Captive? Uh, Jerry Jameson, a, an incredible collaborator. We really went in the trenches to try and make sure that the film wasn't preachy, uh, stayed raw, but also didn't shy away from the hope. And I just really enjoyed uh, four years of crafting this story with him. And the last one, David Oyelowo. Uh, still learning. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.